Understanding Black and White Photography with Kirk McElhern. This is Mac Voices. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by the Mac Voices Dispatch, our weekly newsletter to keep you up on all the latest from Mac Voices. Watch or listen to Mac Voices straight from your email client. Sign up at macvoices.com newsletter and stay up to date. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this is a second in a two-part conversation with Kirk McElhern. I asked Kirk to talk to us about black and white photography or monochrome photography and explain what he means by you have to get black and white photography. I haven't really understood what he meant by that. I'm just starting to as he shows us some examples that drive home his points and also talks a little bit about how we can experiment with black and white photography on our own with our iPhones. Let's go back and let Kirk do the talking. You know, maybe that's a piece that I'm missing. Maybe because I've never done the the actual chemical development that you're talking about. No, the physical I don't, I don't think so. I think it's a question yeah. of it's a question of appreciating. Let's call it a form of art that's different, a genre of photography that's different from what you're used to. I mean, obviously, you, you look in the newspaper, photos are in color, right? Um, News, you know that thing with pages that would get your fingers dirty? That kind of newspaper. I'm not talking about websites. Right. Um, but from there to appreciate it as an art form, as a very specific art form, is a leap. It certainly is. If you're not into photography, if you haven't been exposed, I mean, Ansel Adams, it's almost cliche to talk about Ansel Adams because he was like the first one who got a lot of attention. But there are plenty of other great black and white photographers. And who shoot landscapes, who shoot portraits, who shoot, you know, all sorts of things that there are, you know, hundreds, thousands of them. So it's a question really of just going out and looking around and, and seeing what you can see. I, I will recommend Michael Kenna, K-E-N-N-A. He's my favorite photographer. Uh, his, he shoots landscape photos. A lot of them are, they're not abstract, but they're, there are never people in his photos. And He's he's very conscious of light angles and things like that. So michaelkenna.net, I believe, is his website. Another really interesting photographer is Robert Adams, who's just come out with a very large book of, I don't know, 400 photos um, of the American West. And he took a lot of photos of houses and buildings and highways and rivers and trees and both of these photographers actually both shoot in a square format which is more common in black and white photography than in color photography and a lot of robert adams photos have the starkness between the sky and the houses and the sand and the desert and things so there's a lot of there's a lot of contrast in his photos but there are there are hundreds of great black and white photographers out there I'm, I'm processing everything we've talked about here, and I keep stepping back. Um, but your comments about, you know, you see something different when you look at a, uh, a monochrome chromatic uh, photo, um, that you're not, you're seeing a different kind of image, I guess, or a different image. I forget exactly how you phrased it. And I thought, you know what? I, I, I think I start to maybe grasp what you're talking about if I go back and, and think about the photos I've seen of um, – of old Hollywood shots, yeah, maybe of Lucille Ball or someone like that. I don't think looking at old Hollywood is the right idea, but I think if you do look at some movies, look at Casablanca and freeze the frame. 
run it 30 seconds and freeze the frame again. And you're going to see some compositions that are photographic. You're going to see a way of, of framing and lighting that really corresponds to, uh, I don't want to say a theatrical type of black and white, but a, a stylized type of black and white photo. Um, Citizen Kane's another good one. The, the, the really good cinematographers back then, if you just freeze frames, you go through the movie and skip and freeze, you'll just find all these compositions that are just, they just fit. And when you see, when you see an old movie, does it feel wrong if it's in black and white? It feels old, but does it feel wrong? No, that's an interesting point. No, it yeah. does not. Did you watch the Macbeth that's on Apple TV plus? No, not yet. It's on my list, but I haven't got there Okay, yet. so that's an interesting film. Um, it was shot in black and white. It was shot in a 4-3 format. And there was a great deal of attention paid to the composition of every shot. And there's angles and lights and shadows. And it was clearly influenced by both German expressionist films and photography. So when you do get a chance to watch it, freeze the frame. Watch it, freeze the frame, and you'll see a lot more interesting things than when it's moving. Hmm. Okay. So, so can you give us some advice for anyone who hears this and says, yeah, I really want to experiment with this, but I don't have a, a camera camera that I, I want to do it with my iPhone. Well, it at a minimum, you can set your iPhone to monochrome and shoot in black and white. And what you see on the screen is in black and white. You, you set the monochrome filter when you're shooting in the camera. Um, probably better for most people to shoot in color than edit when they get back home. Even the Photos app lets you uh, convert to black and white. It's it's a slightly limited conversion. You click the little button for black and white, then you have a slider that kind of cycles through the... When you convert from color to black and white, you're generally taking the main color channels and you're adjusting the contrast. So your red, you want to make it lighter or darker. Your blue sky, you want to make it lighter or darker. Uh, in Apple Photos, you don't have the color channels. You have a slider that kind of cycles through different color channel adjustments. So it's it's not the best way to make black and white photos, but you have a lot of leeway. And then work with contrast. Contrast is really important in black and white. Uh, you want to increase the contrast if if the photo can support it. You want... because. Because monochrome, I mean, you, there's a couple of different kinds of monochrome. There's gray, there's lots of gray, and there's sharp contrast. I sent you a link to my portfolio on glass. Um, you can put that in the show notes, and some of the photos there will show, for example, there's some photos of flowers where you can see there's a very stark contrast, or there's a photo I took recently of a tree in fog and it's all very gray. It's very subtle. There's not much there. There's just, you feel the distance. Um, I, I'm not saying my photos are that much better than anyone else's, but you'll see a little bit of what I'm talking about, of how black and white works. There's also some color photos, and there's a couple of cat photos there. <laughs> there's always cat photos. I would have been disappointed. Yeah, really I have cat photos. In fact, my profile photo on glass is, a, is one of my cats, in black mm. and white. Okay. I I appreciate you taking the time but for someone that's probably asking some silly questions about this, but I I do I don't mind telling you here's a rarity in today's world, but once in a while I'll, I'll find a magazine somewhere, usually in a waiting room or something, flip it open, and you know there are black and white ads, 
And I look at those and think, why? You know, it's, I mean, it's not, it's not an ancient because, magazine by any means. Because they make you look, because they attract you, because you're so used to color. Okay, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah. A little, little bit of a contrarian strategy there. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Or, or it could be that they just have a black and white page and it's cheaper to advertise on a black and white page. That's entirely possible because yeah. magazines will do that. They'll have four color pages and black and white pages. But often you'll see black and white used as, as a flavor in a certain way. Hmm. I mean, I, ideally, if I could have shown you photos, it would have been better. Um, you would have maybe gotten a better we do a thing. Can I open a photo and share my screen with you? Does that work? I believe so. Okay, let me let me just find let me just get one photo okay. of mine. Okay. So, this is an example of what I would call the most extreme type of black and white photo that I have. It's just light and dark. And I if you want to try and figure out what it is, I'll let you, but we don't have enough time for you to try and guess because you'll never figure it out. But what attracted me in this scene was the light and dark. And, and I stumbled on this, and, and I thought, wow, this is just amazing. This is light and dark, and this is all it is. I, you're right. I mean, it's – I'm sorry. I, I keep coming back to the word stark, and I don't mean it in a disparaging way. It's No, just, but that's how it's meant to be. Okay, good. It's It's abstract. It's – you you don't know what it is, but the light and the dark are really interesting. Let me find another photo, um, which in particular, okay, so it's this one. Um, this one's better. Okay, so this is a photo which um, is ideal in black and white, and I don't know how well you can see the the, the lines of the thatching on the huts, especially on the left side, the, the subtleness of the clouds in the background. This is something, it was originally shot in color and converted to black and white. This is something that is, the, the, for me, I see the depth of the space between the huts. I see the sky looming. I see the, again, the starkness. In this one, it's another question of starkness. Yeah, the the depth comment is interesting because I agree with you. I definitely see a depth here that I might not in a color photo. Now, this is a photo of some huts, um, sort of. They're they're huts by Stonehenge, and they were built to show what the people who built Stonehenge may have lived in. And the black and white gives you the sort of the repetition of the three angles coming from the left and the one coming in from the right. The black and white gives you a highlight of that sort of thing much more than the color photo would have. The color photo, you see that the thatching's brown. You see the sky is bluish. You see the, the ground is brown. It, it has too much, in some ways, it has too much character when it's in color. Hmm. Okay. So here's another one. Um, my partner and I were traveling around one of the local villages and by a church, there was a corner and I found this cross and this bench sitting there. And it seemed to me that this was a very poignant image. And again, in black and white, you're not seeing the, the red of the bricks. You're not seeing the green of the grass. You're just seeing the shapes and the light and the, the shadow under the bench and the shadow behind the cross.
Kirk, when you when you're traveling around and you look at a scene like this, I mean, do you mentally see it in black and white? I do. Yeah, I, I've been shooting in black and white for long enough that I do. Okay. I, I well, when I'm looking through the camera, I'm seeing it in black and white through the viewfinder. But before I even pick the camera up to my eye, I'm seeing the shapes more than I'm seeing the colors. Yeah, I, this may be the first time I've understood what you meant by the color the color being distracting from yeah. the picture. So this is from another village. Um, this is behind another church, and is his house. And it just looked really interesting. You've got the gravestones, you've got the grass, you've got the house, you've got you've got you've got the grays, you've got some blacks, and particularly some of the windows in the house are black. Uh, some of the lichen on the gra uh, gravestones is gray. But you're you're attracted by the shapes. You're not distracted by everything else. These last two really. I, I start to understand, I, and hopefully some other folks will too. I start to understand what you mean by that—that that you're not distracted, okay. that you're really you're really seeing the house, the the gravestones. You're not looking at the beautiful sky or the fact that you know this. I don't know. I'm making it up as I go, but you know the color of the walls or the, the well. The, you'd the be green. distracted by the blue sky in this photo, for instance. Yes, you would. You can see the sky is very clear, and it was very blue. Yes. Okay, let me find one more. So this is something that's particularly interesting because this is actually an HDR merge of three photos. You know what HDR is, right? Right. So uh, the iPhone does HDR automatically, but there's software that does HDR. So when you're exposing for the tree in a shot like this, the, the sky, the clouds is going to be overexposed. When you're exposing for the clouds, the tree is going to be underexposed. So I took three shots and I merged them together um, in in my software to come up with this so you can see the detail on the tree and you can see the clouds and nothing's overexposed. And again, what what we were walking in a forest nearby, a forest where it's been recently um, planted with young trees, and this old tree was there. This was, I think, around Christmas. And I was very struck by the shapes in the tree. And color would add nothing to this, but black and white in some ways enhances a photo of this kind. Again, I I can see. I, I agree. I actually have a photo that is similar to this um, as a photo in my home that is not black and white, but it the the colors are very desaturated, and it it evokes I don't know a mood, and this evokes a different mood um, because in that case the sky is a lot darker. In this case, it's a lot the sky itself is a lot brighter, but the yeah. contrast between the tree and the sky you know, are, are very definite. And again, you would be distracted by the blue of the sky as opposed to the shape of the tree. Yeah. Okay, let's just finish with a cat photo. You've got to have a cat photo because here's this my buddy Titus. There we go. Okay. Now, again, you can't see on your video, but the detail of this is extraordinary. Um, I Can I? Does this zoom in for you? No, yes. I can't zoom like that. There. Here's here's me zooming in. This is I'm in photos, and this is me zooming in. Look at the detail on the the whiskers around the nose and all that. Look at the eyes. Yeah, folks, you you should go and and check out some of what uh, Kirk sent us as, as links because he's right. And by the very nature of the fact that we're 
doing a podcast and you know we're delivering it by video, um, you may not fully appreciate even what I'm seeing. But uh, the, it, I, I think I'm I, I've I think I'm understanding what this is, and I've got a new appreciation about more of the way to think about black and white photos as opposed to um, maybe actually do them. Yes, I think you said it to, to begin with, and you said it in an email to me, you want to understand what it is about getting black and white photos. And I think it's a process to start to appreciate what there is to look at. It's not going to be the same as a sunset. The sunset in black and white is boring, um, but mountains in black and white are fascinating and they don't necessarily need color. Architectural photos, street photography in cities, you don't necessarily need color for every kind of photo. Now, obviously, it means in black and white, there are types of photos you don't take. I, I'm not going to shoot pictures of cherry blossoms, although I could. That would, you know, the contrast between the blossoms and the trees, but you're not going to see the pink of the cherry blossoms. So it's, it's limiting in some ways. There are things that I don't take pictures of, but in other ways, I'm much happier taking this sort of picture than just shooting everything, if that makes sense. No, I think it. I think it does because here it. I think that you're you're looking to achieve a certain thing with this, as opposed to capturing the the image. And at least in my mind, those are two different things. Yep. So. Okay. I, again, folks, Kirk sent us a number of links. Um, I'll make sure, and if, if Kirk, if there are any more to add, please send them my way. I'll make sure yeah. they get into the show notes so that you can see some of uh, Kirk's work and some other examples that he talked about. Um, I, I feel like really Kirk, I think you, you at least started the process of having me get black and white. And I, I do appreciate it because I think I just saw some things in a way that I haven't seen before. Well, yeah. I'm hope, I hope that I've converted you and <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And you gave well, me some homework. I, so <laughs> I, I think that black and white photography is fascinating and I understand why people don't think that, but it's like any form of art. You have to learn to appreciate it. it it's no art is obvious from the beginning and particularly something as ubiquitous as photography that we see all the time that we, you know, have this really powerful camera in our pockets that we can use at, the, at a moment's notice. It, it means that appreciating photography, th there is there's a continuum from good photos to artistic photos, and it's hard because we see so many photos. It's hard to make that leap and to go to the next stage. But it also feels like we have an opportunity, more of an opportunity than ever before, to do that, even in a little more gross way, because we're shooting digital and we don't have to go through some of the processes you did in the photo shop. Um, and also you can look on the internet and find, you know, portfolios of great photographers to get inspired by as well. Good point. Good point. Um, before you get out of here, I want to make sure we let know, folks know about Photoactive and everything else you're doing, uh, everything else you're up well, to. Well, Photoactive is photoactive.co. Jeff Carlson and I are at around episode 110 or 120. We've been doing this for a few years. Uh, my website is kirkville.com, where I haven't been writing much, but I post links to everything that's published in various places. I've recently started writing for Popular Photography, which is a venerable brand that's been that's been given a rebirth. Um, my role there, is, excuse me, my role there is to write about photo books and interview photographers. So if you go there, you'll see some of my columns about photo books, recent photo books, many of which are black and white. 
Excellent. Kirk, thanks so much for taking the time and being my teacher. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much, Chuck. I hope to see you again soon. We will definitely do it. Folks, I'm Chuck Joyner. This is Mac Voices. I hope you've learned something today. I certainly feel like I have, um, and I've, I sincerely mean that. Uh, talk, having Kirk talk our way through it and give us some examples really made a difference for me. I hope it did for you. So go out now. I'll give you homework. Go out and shoot some black and white photos. Let us know what you think. Until the next time, and as always, thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.